Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast, your host, Kevin Parker, and that is all today. Scott is out on the honeymoon. He is in the lovely country of Italy, actually, so he will not be joining us. I will be alone. Uh, Hopefully everybody's okay with that. We have been off for a while now, and I apologize for that little delay there. Uh, Just to give you the quick update in the personal lives, I guess, uh, as I don't know if this is excuse making or or what it is, but we have been, uh, let's see, since our last episode, well, Scott got married. Uh, Scott flew to Italy for his honeymoon. I went to Scott's wedding. I went to visit my brother in Arizona, went to the Grand Canyon, did some camping there. I flew back from Michigan to Poland I got engaged. It, look, it's it's been busy. Uh, I appreciate everybody for staying with us. Hopefully, you, you can understand that that personal lives come in the way sometimes. But a little three week hiatus here, which is longer than we ever intended on happening. I appreciate the understanding and and the kind words from everybody along the way. It, it was kind of funny. Scott and I were talking about this for a while because the first, uh, basically since, what, the, the last episode that we did before we started traveling. So that was May 9th, I guess. Uh, you know, we, we had missed a week there and then we did the recruiting roundup. And we were saying, you know, like we missed an episode, but it's, a, it's as good a time as any to miss it because there isn't really anything going on and it's just dead period. There's nothing. And we missed another episode and it was like, well, again, there's, there's really nothing going on here. So it's not the end of the world. I think, I think people will understand. It's just not a a great time for college football in general, let alone Michigan state. There was just no commitments. There were a couple visits uh, coming up, but nothing really happening there. And then all of a sudden, it very quickly turned into a terrible time to be off. Uh, We just started landing commitments left and right. There was a bunch of stuff going on around the program, a bunch of stuff going on around college football 
I mean, NIL stuff, transfer portal stuff, recruiting stuff. Um, Arch Manning just committed to Texas. Like there's just been so much going on the last couple weeks here. And uh, even though it's just me, I, I did figure somebody's got to get on here and uh, and give some thoughts. So that's what I'm here to do. Um, again, just just me, just Kevin Parker on the mic today. Uh, Scott will be back uh, whenever his honeymoon is done, which I honestly don't even know what that when that is. I don't know if he knows when that is. I think he uh, the the one text that I got back from uh, a couple texts, but one of the first texts I got back from him asking how it is over there he said uh, he's been blissfully drunk since he got there so uh i i think he's enjoying his time i don't know when he's coming back i don't know if he knows when he's coming back so uh hopefully we'll have him back uh i don't think it'll be for the next episode for next week but uh hopefully the week after we'll we'll be back to normal but man it's it's been a whirlwind uh i was back as as you guys know if you've been listening i was back uh in michigan we're at TJ's wedding, which we talked about. I was at Scott's wedding, which I'll let him get into more detail as, as much as he wants. But I will say from my perspective, it was absolutely gorgeous. I mean, the the venue that they had there, um, the, the, whole, the whole plan, the whole kit and caboodle, I guess, was just absolutely fantastic. We had a great time, put down at least 15 vodka waters so that was uh that was a good time there and uh yeah flew back here to poland and now i am looking for a new job planning a move we got a lot of stuff going on here but it was fun you know being back home being back in michigan i was back for over a month uh all said and one of the kind of fun things is i was cleaning out you know some of my old junk from my parents house my mom has effectively hoarded everything from my childhood uh that's like old report cards old like geology quizzes from like sixth grade i mean everything and she finally said you know what like it's time we we gotta start getting rid of some of this stuff so i was going through uh i i kept a bunch of it i got rid of a lot of a lot more than i kept um, some of the fun stuff was going back and seeing old like Michigan State football ticket stubs, seeing uh, I had like the Junior Spartan Club pin, which we were, uh, I was a Junior Spartan Club member back in the day. We had, you know, old the ticket stubs, my standing room only ticket stub from the college football playoff, like just a bunch of that little, those little things that you kind of forget that you have tucked away somewhere. Um, so I, I collected all the stuff that I wanted to keep, and uh, that, that was kind of fun to go back through memory lane and see an old ticket stubs from uh, the Little Giants game. I was at that for the, the fake field goal against Notre Dame, uh, two Big Ten championship games, a lot of old tickets that I forgot that I had kind of stashed away in a drawer somewhere. So um, I'll figure out what to do with those. I don't know if anybody has any ideas of of ways that you have kind of turned that into a decoration for the man cave or something. Uh, I'm all ears because I would love to do something with them rather than just kind of throwing them all back in a drawer. But I don't really know what that is yet. So we, we've got some time to figure that out. Other than that, I mean... Uh, Man, there's there's a lot going on in, in Michigan State's world, and we'll get to all of that. Before we do, 
Word from our friends at DraftKings. This actually just ended, so this is the most recent ad that I have, so I'm going to roll with it. Uh, but I'm going to assume that they have something going on for MLB. So just as a forewarning, use the same promo code if you want to sign up for DraftKings, and I'm sure they'll hook you up. But um, new customers can bet $5 on any team in the NHL, probably the MLB too, but don't quote me on that, and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during uh, playoffs? Well, with the DraftKings same game parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay, combining multiple bets in the same game for an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win. Get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's promo code TPPN. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. It's like riding a bike, guys. It's like riding a bike. Um, man, I don't, I don't even know where to start. I'll, we'll start with the commit, the recruiting stuff that we missed uh, over the last little while here. Uh, we'll get to, I, I asked for some mailbag stuff to kind of keep me structured a little bit as well. Uh, I'm kind of going to go all over the place here. It's it's going to be a little unstructured. It's going to be a little bit of mind word vomit, but uh, hopefully hopefully you guys can uh, can stay with it. Whatever this stream of consciousness is that I'm just spewing into the microphone. Um, since we last talked, a couple commitments have landed. Won't go into too much detail because, well, you guys all know by now it's it's been widely discussed. But just to give my thoughts on it. Uh, and we'll start with the highest rated of the guys. Uh, currently in the 24-7 composite, just sneaking inside the top 200 is linebacker Jordan Hall out of IMG. He is six foot two, 225 pounds. His mother has become the biggest uh, recruiter on staff, I guess, for Michigan State. But he is a heck of a player in his own right. He recruited, the, the commitment was pretty cool. Um, at Mel Tucker's house, surrounded by you know all the other recruits on the official visit. That was a pretty sweet video to see. If you haven't, make sure you go check that out. But, I mean, the player, really good, really athletic, really instinctive. The one thing is, uh, even in just watching the highlights, he tackles high. I mean, that's an easy thing to fix, right, uh, just, just from coaching and, and practicing. But... Um, once he kind of figures out how to keep his head down and, and, and stay low through the tackles, this kid's got, got a really high ceiling. His size speed combination really stands out and that's at IMG and playing the schools that IMG is playing. So, you know, that really means a lot. So Jordan Hall, top 200 linebacker commit, which is huge. Uh, the linebacker room is in a really interesting spot because there's a lot of talent, but a lot of that talent is going to be heading out the door within the next one to two years. So a guy like Jordan Hall, is he going to play his freshman year? Probably not. But by his sophomore year, there should be a lot of playing time opening up for him alongside the Cal Hallidays. He'll be an upperclassman by then, um, depending on what Darius Snow is doing at linebacker, nickel, safety, whatever he is by then. Um, I'm, I'm really interested with Darius Snow, what happens when Xavier Henderson graduates. But 
Um, between Darius Snow, Cal Halliday, and then Ma'anauteote, like, you know, he'll he'll have a chance for playing time by, I think, year two. So um, Jordan Hall, huge commitment, huge landing for Mel Tucker there. You had uh, Demetrius Bell, wide receiver athlete from Tennessee, who I saw like just the other day got an offer from Alabama. So that's something to monitor, I guess. You have, uh, you, you know, fast player, playmaker kind of guy you want on your team. Clay Wedden, interior offensive lineman as he is listed. He was playing left tackle at, down at uh, Carrollwood Day in Tampa, Florida. Six foot six, 295 pounds. Six foot, his frame looks like more of a tackle than a guard. Like, you know, projecting this out to the NFL might be more of a guard. Um, you know, I don't think he has the longest arms in the world, but he definitely has college tackle frame and looked really developed in pass protection as well. So, um, it, it is nice to have those tweener kind of guys who can play multiple spots a la a Kevin Jarvis type. Um, you would like to see them kind of pick a lane as soon as he gets on campus just to, to really develop that one spot. But Clay Wedden, a guy I think he could play tackle or guard at Michigan State. Interested to see what they do when we bring him on campus. Chance Rucker, cornerback, six foot one, 180 pounds out of Denton, Texas. Uh, nephew, I believe, of Chris L. Rucker uh, of the Mark D'Antonio era. Rucker's tape, I really liked, man. He he has incredible footwork for his age and, and level of, of play. You know, you, you don't see too many high schoolers coming out with this type of footwork at corner. That, I'm, I'm sure, can be credited in a large part to Chris L. Rucker. But, um, you know, he's one of those guys where in, in – corner tapes in high school and we talk about offensive linemen all the time when you have a guy that's just bigger than the guy across from him he just bullies him around um a lot of times you you kind of get that with corners to an extent right they come up and play press against some little wide receiver who who doesn't have good footwork and who isn't very strong and who isn't very fast and they just kind of bully him at the line of scrimmage and the other guy just never is really able to get off of his his hands. Um, Chance Rucker was really impressive because he came up and played press, but he got his hands off of the receivers pretty quick and was was mirroring them right off the bat, which is really impressive, which is really difficult to do. I really liked the tape from Chance Rucker. I think at, at his size, his frame, his long arms, and his footwork coming out, he'll have a shot to play right away when he gets to Michigan State. That would not surprise me. On um, The last one we missed out was uh, Eddie Pleasant III out of Carrollwood Day. Same school as Clay Wedden. Six foot, 175 pounds, really physical, kind of in that Marquis Lowry um Chuck Brantley kind of mold. Um, now I'm see. I'm now that I'm going through this. I think we already talked about Eddie Pleasant, but really physical player. Uh, you, you miss so much that you, you almost forget what you've missed by now. But that brings us to ten commitments at the moment. Now the interesting part of this is that we've already seen some noise of. Of some of these players that are getting crystal balls elsewhere. We're seeing new guys who are getting crystal balls to Michigan State. 
the recruiting world is uh, is pretty crazy right now. Um, we we had the commitment from Jalen Braxton. He's not even listed in twenty four seven as a commitment anymore, and the crystal balls are are having hit him heading over to Arkansas. Um, Eno Etta, a lot of people thought he was all but locked into Michigan State. He got a bunch of crystal balls to Michigan, hasn't decided anywhere uh, to the date. Caleb Presley, corner from Washington, he was a guy that Michigan State uh, fans really thought that we were zeroed in on and, and pretty locked into Michigan State. He's starting to get crystal balls to Oregon. You had Madden Sanker, the offensive lineman. He's getting crystal balls now to Louisville. Um, it's, it's one of those things where the, the higher level of player that you go with, the more chances that you swing and miss. And that's just a reality of the, the type of playground that we're playing in right now. The sandbox that we're playing in is these guys uh, are a lot harder to get. Now we're starting to get some crystal balls floating in for Peyton Kirkland, offensive tackle from, uh, from Florida, I believe six foot six, 345 pounds. Um, we're going to start, we're going to have to start landing some of these guys, but part of it, as we're saying with, uh, with Jalen Braxton live time, you got to hang on to him too, once you get them. So, uh, interesting world that we're playing in here. Uh, we'll see how this all transpires. We'll, we'll talk about this more when Scott gets back on the podcast too. Again, didn't want to spend too, too much time on it because a lot of it is kind of old news by now. But I uh, wanted to make sure I gave my thoughts there. Let's head over to a couple mailbag questions here. I put out that we are finally back. And because it's just me, we needed a couple mailbag questions to, to kind of help this out. We had, let's see, from Eric Mulher. There's no way I'm pronouncing that right. Eric, if, uh, if you're listening, please DM me. Mulher, Mulher. Muller, Muller. Uh, <laughs> there's no way that's right. Uh, assuming they don't have anyone who can come close to replicating what Walker did last year, a lot of it will be on Peyton, Peyton Thorne's shoulders. Is he up to it? This is the question of the year. Other than the defensive backfield and our ability to stop the pass on defense, I think this is the most important question that will determine if this is a six-win team, if this is a an eight-win team, if this is a 10-11-win team. Is, is Peyton Thorne capable of doing it on his own? And from, from what we know, there's no reason to suggest that he's not, but to play vice versa, to play devil's advocate, um, there's no reason to suggest that he is either. Um, you, you look at Peyton Thorne, you look at the game log from last year, and you see some games on there with some really nice statistical outputs, right? Uh, 272 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions against Youngtown, Youngstown State. 261 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions against Miami. Uh, 339, three touchdowns, one interception against Rutgers. 287, four touchdowns, one interception against Maryland. Uh, 354, three touchdowns, and one interception against Pitt. Other than Pitt, all of those games were decided by halftime, 
third quarter. I guess Miami was in balance until the fourth quarter onslaught. But and and we know what happened with the pit game where the second and third quarter people were calling for Anthony Rousseau. I mean, he was horrible for stretches of that pit game. A lot of games you're seeing on here, Ohio State, 158 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Michigan, 196 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. And the thing is, is we gave him a lot of credit, especially after the Michigan game, I remember, because I remember saying, coming on this podcast right after the game, that Monday after the, the, the Michigan game, and saying, look, the statistics weren't great, but I was really proud of what Peyton Thorne put out there because it was gutsy. He made the throws when we needed him to on fourth down and on third down conversions at times. And the statistics aren't going to show it, but it was gutsy and he got got what it needed, got what we needed to do. I don't even know what I'm trying to say there. But at the end of the day, without Kenneth Walker's five touchdowns, we're not beating Michigan that day. No chance. So with a Jarek Broussard and a Jalen Berger as a, a good one-two punch, a 1A, 1B punch, whatever you want to call it, um, those two are going to add up to less than what Kenneth Walker was last year. So if those two add up to three touchdowns against Michigan last year, if those two add up to four touchdowns against Michigan last year, uh, we're not winning that game. So is Peyton Thorne capable of stepping up and being the guy to take down Michigan, to take down Ohio State, to take down Penn State without the help of Kenneth Walker, right? It's it's easy to put up stats against Youngstown State. It's easy to put up stats even against Miami uh, last year, against Northwestern, against Purdue, against Maryland. Those aren't defenses that a lot of quarterbacks struggled against. You're going to have to, without Kenneth Walker back there, you're going to have to prove that you can do it on your own. When it's a low-scoring tie game at halftime, you're going to have to say, all right, coach, this one's on me. I, I want to throw the ball 20 times in the second half, and we're going to win or lose this game on my arm. Because we didn't have to do that a lot last year. And it was his first year starting. Like, we shouldn't have needed to do that a lot last year. But that's just a question we don't have the answer to right now. And that's a question that I think we'll decide, again, is this a six-win team? Is this an eight-win team? Is this a ten-win team? Um, so good question there by Eric Mulher. Don't know what I settled on with that one. And uh, we, we will definitely talk about that a lot as uh, as the offseason rolls on here. Um, there was a question. It got deleted. I don't know why. Um, I, I know SpartanBot responded to it that I still have the response. It was something to the effect of um, our, something about selling beers in the stadium. Um, there was uh, an implication from the I don't know, front office management, whatever you want to call the uh, the higher ups at Michigan State that it's it's kind of on the table and if michigan law permits it then it's something that would at least be considered and i am here for it uh that i know that they're going to upsell it i know it's going to be 10 12 15 dollars for a miller light in the stadium but that's okay because all we need michigan state fans have been saying this for years 
All we need is one beer in the third quarter to keep the buzz going. All we need is one beer to sustain the hangover until after the game. Because we've all been drinking for hours and hours and hours. And all we need is the one beer that just kind of keeps us floating above hangover level. Keeps the energy up in the stadium. Because by the second half, most people are starting to get hungover. And what we need is just that one beer. If it cost me $15, then it cost me $15. It is what it is. Uh, so I, I've been a huge proponent of selling beers at Michigan State. I don't care what the cost is because the implications of that $15 beers is uh, is, is huge. Uh, that That's a world that I would love to be living in sooner rather than later. Uh, a couple of questions from SpartanBot here, our guy Spartan18770. How much do you think the rest of the conference is worried about what Tucker is doing in retooling Michigan State football? It feels like what Urban Meyer did when he came into the conference. Um, all right. <laughs> I'm not going to touch the Urban Meyer stuff too much. The Urban Meyer stuff... Um, a lot of what he when he came in there it was just a totally different recruiting world it especially in the Big Ten there was a lot more of kind of a Big Ten honor code so to speak and you know once a guy commits to a school you lay off right when the, when the guy commits to Penn State Michigan Michigan State Wisconsin Iowa they they kind of stop recruiting him they 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 call the kid they text the kid and they say hey you know i i wish you the best of luck there if you ever rethink your decision you know we're here and we would love to have you but um you know we wish you the best of luck and and we're going to go our separate ways and urban meyer came in from the sec and he he said f that uh you're committed to penn state yeah that's cute i'm going to keep calling you until you tell me no 5,000 times. And until National Signing Day, I'm going to keep calling you. And if if you're really committed to Penn State, then fine. But I'm going to make sure that you are, are very, very confident in that decision. And that really threw the Big Ten for a loop. That that really rubbed some people the wrong way. And so it, it wasn't just Urban Meyer bringing that SEC recruiting to the Big Ten in terms of like landing five-star players. It was just the way that he went about landing those five-star players. That was something the Big Ten had never really had to deal with before. And so once Urban Meyer started doing it, that opened the floodgates and now everybody's doing it. Right. And now we see now we see people transferring between schools. It the Purdue, I think Purdue has gotten two wide receivers through the portal from Iowa this offseason. Like you've got uh Ben Van Sumeren transferring from Michigan to Michigan State. Like you've got stuff that just would never have happened 20 years ago before Urban Meyer rolled into town. So it was just a whole philosophical change when Urban Meyer came to town. But as far as, you know, the whole, I guess, putting the rest of the conference on alert, I I think I, I don't want to do the whole like hyperbole deep down the rest of the Big Ten is scared. 
because I, I don't I don't even really believe in that. I don't really think that's the case. But I will say I guarantee you the rest of the Big Ten is on alert because this is something that uh, Ari Wasserman, this was a big deal. Uh, he was on The Athletic. Uh, he is a he is their recruiting, recruiting reporter, I guess, for The Athletic. Uh, and he's done a lot of stuff with Colton Pouncey recently where he's been uh, going back and forth on Twitter. He's written a couple articles about Michigan State. He was on a podcast. He was on the Andy Staples podcast with uh, with Colton when they were doing the state of the program for Michigan State. And Ari was saying it in a way that was like it wasn't even really demeaning to Michigan State, but it was kind of like like the audacity of Michigan State to try to go after these four high four or five star players. Um like, what are they doing? And and it wasn't even necessarily in a derogatory way, I think, when you really listen to the tone and, and when you read what he's writing about. It was just the thing of, like, Ari Wasserman was a beat reporter for Ohio State during all those years for Mark D'Antonio. And he was like, man, they were winning the Big Ten. They were beating Urban Meyer with this playbook, which is going to Ohio, going to Pennsylvania, go. At obviously stay home in Michigan and recruit the chip on the shoulder guys who are talented but a little undersized, who are talented but maybe not the fastest guy in the world. And as long as they have that chip on their shoulder and they fit the culture that you have there, that worked. And so he's saying, like, what are you doing getting away from that? Like, that was working for you. And all that to say, like, Mel Tucker has flipped that on its head. And I think at least the rest of the Big Ten is definitely taking note of it. Because Michigan State is an an enormous school with an enormous alumni base with a ton of money. And I think it's one of those things where if you're a fan of Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa... You're looking at this and saying, oh boy, um, we've already got in in the sense of like year in, year out, top 10, top 15 talented rosters. We've already got Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State to deal with every single year. We know that they are littered with NFL players. And maybe we can out-coach them, maybe we can out-tough them, and, and we can win games against them. It's it's not looking at Michigan and saying, oh, if, man, we're not going to be able to beat those guys this year. It's saying it's, it's going to take a really good game to beat them because they have NFL players up and down the roster. You've never really said that with Michigan State. It, it's, we've always been a tough out. Even in the John L. Smith days, we were a tough out. But you've never looked at Michigan State in the preseason mag and said, oh man, that that team, look, they, they catch you on the right day. They can beat anybody with that talent. Like, we've never been that team. And so with Mel Tucker at least even trying to be that, I think the rest of the Big Ten has to look at that and say like, oh boy, um, well, that's different. That's, okay, let's keep tabs on that. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to say that people are scared, but I, I want to definitely say that, that people are on alert. Uh, let's see. Next question, Spartan Bot again. Instead of having a band play at half, t- the band play at halftime. What? How about a local group picked by the deep end, the student section? Um, I like it. That's fun. Um, I think 
the marching band stuff, it's fun. The tradition is great. But like if you still have the intro, right, you still have the marching band coming out onto the field, playing the fight song. You have the drum major bending over backwards and touching his head to the ground. I mean, you still have that. You still have them playing throughout the game to, you know, when we get a first down and they're playing their thing, like you're not eliminating the band, uh, but you're you're bringing in some, you know, local bands. You're bringing in whoever to play a little gig at halftime, play a few songs. Uh, the logistics side of it, <laughs> like probably a little more difficult than we think it is, but... I like the idea of it in theory. I just know what that turns into is a little bit more time to set up a stage and take down a stage. And now halftime is extended by eight minutes. And now the game is four and a half hours instead of four hours and 15 minutes. Like you get where I'm going. I like the idea in theory, but in practice, uh, I, I just don't think it would really work out uh, as easily as we would like it to. Um, another question here that I'm going to save. So Clay, if you're listening, Clay underscore S, he said floor and ceiling of each position group. I wrote that down in our uh, Google Doc because I really like it. We're going to get into position previews uh, as the offseason kind of comes to an end pretty soon here and, and we start really previewing this season. Um, and I'm definitely going to include that as part of that series. So Clay, I appreciate the the, um, the question, I guess, the statement, whatever it is, because I think that's a really good idea. So when we do our position group previews, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, the floor and the ceiling, I think, is a really interesting dynamic to kind of bring into that. So I definitely love that, and we are definitely going to incorporate that uh, as we kind of get into our predictions. So thank you. Uh, that, but that's, that's a whole, that would be a whole episode. Uh, but I, I do love that idea. So as far as the rest of it, so, I mean, kind of a news dump today, answering a couple questions, having some fun with it. Um, again, it's like riding a bike. Uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode to tee up the rest of the offseason here, we're, we're going to try to do a lot, but we, we have it kind of scheduled out this year. Last year, we were just kind of flying off the seat of our pants. This year, we have it mapped out. So as far as getting through all of our position previews, getting through all of our prediction episodes, our hot take episodes, getting Scott Brown on the podcast, which, Scott, I know you're listening out there. I haven't forgotten We've been busy. <laughs> I know you get it. Uh, but I promise you, we, we will have you on. Uh, Scott, former Michigan State, former Spartan dog, uh, former Michigan State football player. We'll have him on, talk about his experience. Well, he will give his uh, predictions and, and everything for the season. But we're going to do a better job of making sure we get through all of it without any hitches and uh, get to the season. So, Again, uh, you know, predictions uh, as far as not just wins and losses, but who's going to lead the team in in rushing yards, receiving yards, tackles, sacks, all of that fun stuff, breakout players, like the whole thing. We're going to get to it. It's, man, I, I'm doing this countdown every day. I've been doing it for a couple years. As I'm recording this on Monday, 67 days. Like it, it feels like when I posted Jarrell Worthy, 99 days, 
that feels like a week ago, man. It the the season is gonna be here before we even know it. So if you have any Spartan fans, any friends who are looking for a Michigan State podcast, or if they are not looking for a big Michigan State podcast, uh, I would appreciate you sending them our way. Again, I apologize for for the last few weeks here. But now I promise we're back on track. And while Scott probably won't be on the next episode, uh, once he gets back, it'll be fully back to normal. But as far as scheduling, we're back on track. So we'll have another episode next week on Monday. Um, it'll it'll be just me. Hopefully we'll have some news to talk about. But um, yeah, back to normal. Back to back to our your regularly scheduled program. Appreciate the understanding. And uh, yeah, until next week, hopefully everybody has a great week. We'll talk to you guys very soon. Go green, go white. I have to do that both by myself, which is, uh, which is weird. Talk to you guys soon. Take care.